that left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Sin had left, sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow He washed it white as snow Holy trust in Jesus. 
strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high.
take a moment to ask yourself, is he Lord of all? Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. On the throne of your heart, on the throne of your heart, is he your cornerstone, is he your everything? Christ alone, cornerstone, weak, made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, He's Lord of all. We just invite you during this time if there's some of you that he's not quite Lord of all right now nobody's judging I know in my life as well there's times where I'm thinking to myself he's not quite Lord of that thing is he I haven't let him be he went to the cross willingly nobody made him go but yet I still hold things back from him thinking I know better these things are so important to me that I just can't let them go. And in those moments that I think about what he went through on the journey to that cross and on that cross, and yet I hold things back from him, why do I do such things? If there's anyone here that's just like me, I know I'm not alone in that. We invite you to come forward and, and get prayer from our leaders and as you pray for each other these wonderful people love you they just want to pray for you they want to help you through the journey they're in the journey too it's not us and them and us and you it's all of us we're, we're a church family we're the church body we need each other so I invite you to come just get prayer they want to pray for you they want to serve they they love your hearts. So Jesus, in this time, we just say that you are Lord of all. Lord of all. I was lost. I was in chains. The world had a hold on me. My heart was a I was covered in shame Then he came for me I couldn't run, couldn't run From his presence I couldn't run, couldn't run From his arms Jesus, he loves me
He loves 
see what you've done all those years. I love you and I'm going to forgive you. That, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But isn't it amazing to think that he sees the David Brazili of 2023 and 2024 and 2025. He already sees every sin I'm going to commit. He already sees every time I'm going to fail him. And guess what? He still loves me. That's an amazing love. It's, it's one thing for, for me to say to my wife, after all these years, I love you. But then if she said to me, you know what? For the next 10 years of our lives, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just disobey everything in our marriage vows. I'm going to go sleep with other men. I'm going to steal all your money. I'm going to do everything. It would be the same thing as Jesus loving me. I would have to look at her and say, I still love you. That's, that's hard to believe. That's hard to understand. Oh, behold, John said, what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for that love. What an amazing love. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But we know that from the moment we claimed you as Savior until the end of the age, you're going to keep loving us. That doesn't give us an excuse to do bad things. But it simply says, you love us. You love us. And you'll never stop loving us. We thank you for that love this morning and what it represents to each of us. We praise you for it. Take a moment and some uh, ushers back there, maybe Debbie and stuff, just lay your hands on the Gruberts. right there, the young Gruberts. We just want to keep praying for Bev. Uh, She, uh, from my understanding, last Monday night, this past Monday night, she was basically dead. The doctor came into the room and said to her husband, let's just pull the plug. There's no sign. The twitching that you see in her face is just reflexes. And David said, no, keep her on, at least until the morning. And we know that what those reflexes were, those reflexes were, were per her probably shouting in her spirit, don't you dare, I'm coming back. But she came through it. They are shocked and amazed. They say it's a miracle. They uh, just the other day put in a couple of stents in her heart. They want to put one more in in a few months, but she's recovering. So let's just lift her up. Father, we just thank you for that miracle right now. And I'm looking forward to the time when she's sitting back there in that pew and we're going to hand her a microphone and she's going to tell us about everything that Jesus did for her at that time. But we lift her up again right now in the name of Jesus. We speak your healing to that heart, to every part of that heart, that the correction will come and she'll gain strength. We pray for David. We pray for the pray for children, nephews, nieces, who's ever involved in this situation. We 
thank you, Father, for your strength, your comfort, and your healing. And we're going to receive it in Jesus' mighty name, because we ask it, because you love us. You love us, you love us, you love us, and you want the best for us all the time. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many are glad he loves us? Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise his name. Hallelujah. And ushers, you may come. And we will be continuing our worship with the giving of tithes and offerings. Father, we just thank you so much for your love. And what we do right now is a reflection of that love, a tiny, tiny reflection. You give us everything to enjoy. You ask us to give back to you just a small portion. So we do that. We ask you to bless both gift and giver in Jesus' name. Abundantly open your windows of heaven. We thank you for it, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you as you give. Young people, you may be dismissed. And it's good to see the Prestes back. Wave your hands, hallelujah. And um, mom went home. How old was she? 27 days short of 100. Well, Kathleen and Pauline, you've got your work cut out for you. Almost 100. We will round up and say she was 100. Wonderful. And she is... With the Lord, not worried about anything now, not worried about aches or pains or everything. Hallelujah. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful blessing. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> announcements are in your bulletin. I, I neglected to, to just have you remember Lisa in your prayers as well. We prayed for her last Sunday. She, they had moved her son uh, into another long-term care uh, at St. Elizabeth Hospital, they're dealing with the infection in his in his jaw, and I guess that is hopefully being cleared up. Um, but in the in the move, they discovered he had COVID, so then she had to also do some quarantining herself. So she will be back, but uh, she's doing fine. Um, uh, and uh, but just in the midst of that, so uh, drop her a card, send her a prayer, prayer her way, because she is going through it with that situation. Amen. Uh, so the bulletin uh, was done by me. So probably everything is wrong. I think everything's right in there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you see all the announcements in there for the upcoming things that are happening. This week we're starting with our small groups, and I'm looking forward to uh, my small group on Wednesday at, uh, at noon. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time of discussion. So uh, amen for that. Amen. Take your Bibles. Open them to... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Uh-oh. Forty years ago, on a Saturday afternoon, we went to Granville, Ohio, beautiful sunny day, and my husband married my son to Deborah. It's his anniversary today, 40 years. Oh, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Forty years. And it only feels like 52. But... uh, Actually, she can still hear me. That's not good. No, no. Thank the Lord. He that findeth a good wife findeth a good thing, I tell you. And, and I did. She is, we were just reflecting on it uh, this morning. Just 
Well, those of you who've been together for years, you know the ups and the downs of all those years. And boy, I tell you, there are a lot of downs, but a lot of ups, amen? And uh, made it through, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, Take your Bibles, open them to Romans 7, and also hold your finger in 1 John 2. Put a little marker in 1 John 2, but we're going to start in Romans 7, uh, but I'm actually going to give quite a bit of introduction to this uh, message this morning. I want to talk this morning about our victorious struggle, our victorious struggle. Uh, We all know that the Christian walk uh, is a struggle at times. Uh, It is not an easy walk, Uh, but we all know it's a victorious walk, though. I'll take the, the walk with Christ over anything in the world. There is always a battle with the flesh, Uh, We are always teetering on defeat. Uh, We're always right on the edge. And I say that simply because I'm a realist. Uh, Those of you who have been around long enough, I've seen a lot of people come and go, and I've seen a lot of people that, uh, you know, started the race really well and but didn't finish it. I've seen a lot of people that started the race and you thought, oh, my Lord, they're not going to make it a couple weeks. And there they are years and years later, still serving the Lord. So it is, it, I'm a realist in that I believe that if you think that you get saved and it's going to be tiptoe through the tulips for the rest of your life uh, with blessing upon blessing, uh, it is not that. It is a, a difficult battle many times, but it is always victorious. It's like the, the little boy in, in Sunday school and the teacher asked her children uh, in the Sunday school class, if I sold my house and my car and a big garage, had a big garage sale and gave all the money to the church, would I get to heaven? And they all shouted, no, and they knew the answer. Well, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, kept everything neat and tidy, did everything at the church for free, would I go to heaven? No, they yelled. Wow, she said, you guys are great. Well, then how do I get to heaven? One little five-year-old in the back of the room yelled, you got to be dead. (laughs) True. That is true. <laughs> yes, our, our ultimate victory comes when we see him. Pastor Ron shared about that last week, right? Our ultimate victory comes when we stand before him. And, and, he, and he gives us the rewards and the blessings that, uh, that, we, are, uh, that we deserve. And, and we have to remember, in Scripture, uh, there are, there's the phrase, the day of the Lord. That is a, scripture that's used all, a phrase that's used all through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. And the day of the Lord can really have several meanings. It, it could mean, number one, uh, a day of judgment. Uh, It was used in reference to Babylon and to Persia and to the Medes. It was used all through the Old Testament, even up to to Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem. So it could mean simply judgment on a particular city or or country. It could also, of course, mean his second coming. We're looking forward to the day of the Lord when he comes back and brings us all to be with himself. Uh, But there is another day of the Lord, and that is the day of the Lord for each of us if we're still here. Each of us has a day of the Lord. Each of us has a number. One of you in this place has the last number. Isn't that a pleasant thought? And you would think that that last day of the Lord would come first for someone who is 90 or 95. But not necessarily, right? Our day of the Lord could be this afternoon. Could happen. He could say, nope, now's the time. 
This is when I'm coming for you. So there are many comings of the Lord in Scripture, and one of them is that time when he comes for us personally. Uh, and, and so we, we realize that the ultimate victory, of course, is the day of the Lord for each of us. Uh, but as the old song says, but until then, right, my heart will go on singing. How many remember that song? But until then, with murmuring and grouching, I will continue. Wait, no, that's not... With joy, I'll carry on until the day my eyes behold that city, until the day he calls me home, the day of the Lord. So that is the ultimate time. But how many know that until that time, it's work, it's victorious labor? Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to look at these two passages, Romans 7 and 1 John 2, just going to tie that in quickly. And, and we're going to see that as we labor and as we walk with the Lord and sometimes crawl with the Lord. Anybody ever crawled with Jesus? <laughs> oh, I see two hands. Hallelujah. One person with two arms up. Yes, sometimes it's a crawl. Sometimes it's two spiritual steps forward and one step back. Sometimes we succeed. Other times we goof up and fail. And that's why I believe we need some spiritual comfort and assurance uh, in our walk with the Lord. And we're going to find it in, I believe, one of the crown jewels of Scripture, which is Romans 8th chapter, verse 1. You know it by heart. There is therefore now no condemnation. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, that is so wonderful. <laughs> but we, uh, we need to follow Paul's thinking. So I'm going to take you back. You could hold your place in Romans 7, but I'm going to take you back to, uh, because Romans 8th chapter, verse 1, is a conclusion for Paul. He's making a final conclusion. Therefore, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So that's his conclusion. So I'm going to go back, and, and you don't have to read this. You could read it when you go home. You can go all the way back to the fifth chapter of Romans, because that's sort of where he starts to build his thought. And he starts in the fifth chapter, and he says, we have been justified. Amen. That literally means to be declared innocent. Innocent. Me and you, innocent. Wow. Justified. When we were without strength. Paul said, we were justified. When we were ungodly, that is, when we were destitute of any reverential awe, we didn't care about God at all, he made us innocent. When we were sinners, the word there for sinners is actually a little bit different. It, it, it literally means devoted to sin. <laughs> we were devoted to sin. And that's actually one of the keys that we need to understand. When we accept Christ as Savior, we sin, but we are no longer devoted to sin, are we? We try not to sin. We are not devoted to it. And then we'll see in chapter 7, before Christ, I was devoted to the disobedience. Now I'm sickened by my disobedience. I, I used to wallow in rebellion. Now I fall in rebellion, and then I jump out as quick as I can. But it happens, and that's what we're going to do. But in all of those areas, I am justified, Paul says in Romans, in Romans 5. Then he continues, and he does this beautiful comparison. 17th chapter of, of, verse of, of Romans 5. He says, by Adam's sin, death reigned. But Christ came, and how much more we receive the gift of justification and reign in this life. Before Christ, death reigned in me. Now after Christ, I reign in this life. Verse 19, by Adam's sin, all were made sinners, all of us. But in Christ, and this is interesting, Paul says, in Christ we are made righteous. What's interesting, he says, in Adam's 
sin, we are all made sinners. But he does not say, in Christ we are made non-sinners. That would be wonderful. That would be heaven. We are not made non-sinners. We are made righteous, even in our sin. <laughs> this, when, you, when you think about what I'm saying this morning from what Paul says, it's going to blow the top of your head off. In our sin, we are still called righteous and still justified. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? Verse 21, sin reigns unto death, but grace reigns unto life. That's the difference. Then he goes into chapter 6, and he, and he asks that question. This is the, the inevitable question that would come, and that is, well, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He says, no, 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 we don't do that. We were buried with Christ in death. We were planted in death with him. We are raised with him. So now we have the grand and glorious option as believers. I can sin, but I do not have to. Isn't that easy? (laughs) He says, yeah, talk to me tomorrow morning when the foreman's yelling at me. Yeah, I can sin, but I don't have to. Whereas before Christ, I had no choice. I had a ring in my nose. I did whatever my body told me to do. But now I don't have to. I have a choice. So then for the rest of chapter 6 and on into chapter 7, and yes, this is the longest introduction to a message. Don't worry. The message part's going to go real fast. The rest of chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 deals with the fact that even though I have been released from the realm of sin and death, even though I have been delivered from the law, Jesus fulfilled the Ten Commandments for me, even though I am dead to the flesh and I am dead to sin, four nasty words, I, Paul says, am still carnal. Everybody say those four words together. I am still carnal. Mm. Adam's root is still in me. The flesh still nags at me every day. I have to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. I still have to fight the good fight of faith. I still have to be vigilant because the devil still inflames my flesh and still harasses me at every turn. I still have to be that way because I'm still carnal. Now, let's pick up Romans 7, verse 13. This is such a wonderful portion of scripture. It is so fun to listen to Paul's confusion. It's great. Verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. That is the law. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Isn't that wonderful? When you look at the Ten Commandments, what do you feel? You feel exceedingly sinful. (laughs) Each one you read makes you feel more and more like a sinner. Oh, my Lord. Uh, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. And for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. 
If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Everybody say amen. I'm sorry, everybody that's honest, say amen. (laughs) For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, which is the mind of Christ, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind of Christ, I will serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So there you have it. The struggle, the warfare, the battle. It is a struggle, but remember, it is a victorious struggle. Now, before I give my three main points this morning, uh, and and you don't have to turn to it, but you can if you want, 1 John, the second chapter, it's interesting how John phrases this. It's just so wonderful. He says, very simply, he tells us that we should not sin, right? But then he says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Wait, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Then he says, do not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a propitiation not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. So wait a minute, John, wait a minute. Now you're sounding as kooky as Paul there. You're telling us, do not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate. (laughs) Uh, Do you get the point here that if the Apostle Paul struggled, and if John the Beloved struggled, Do you think we're going to struggle? If you could be the Apostle Paul and go to the third heaven and see things that could not be uttered and come back down here and still have to struggle, don't you think we're going to struggle too? Don't don't ever think that, oh, I've got it all perfected and I'm good to go and I don't need to work on anything in my spiritual walk. When you say that, you are destined for the biggest fall of your life. But when you wake up every morning like a tax collector and raise your hands to the Lord and say, Jesus, <laughs> here's your filthy servant. Please cleanse me one more time. Wash me one more time because I need your strength. I need your power. I need your cleansing to make it through this day because without you, I can't do a thing. So, John does an interesting thing then, and, and we'll get to my sermon in a moment. We'll get there, honest. He does an interesting thing, and he lists three groups of people. You, you know this. is in, in 1 John, the second chapter. And he gives characteristics, and basically he says, Little children, your sins are forgiven. Thank God. Hallelujah. Young men, or young men and women, young, young adults in the Lord, you have overcome the wicked one and are strong, and the word abides in you. That is, you've gone to the next level now. You're, you know now that it's just not about getting saved. Now you're battling the devil, and you're winning. And then he lists the last category. He says, Fathers, or elders, You have known him from the beginning. So he lists those three individuals. Those are the three levels of our walk with the Lord. There are some in here this morning 
that have just come to know the Lord, or maybe you've known him for a while, but you're learning some things, and, and, and your sins are forgiven, and that's where you're at. There are others in here that are strong and overcoming. The word is abiding in you, and you're learning, and you're growing, and you're winning in victory. There are others that have known the Father from the beginning, and you've got years and years of serving him under your belt. But listen, listen, no matter what level you are at, I guarantee you, you are still struggling and don't be surprised when you do struggle and my mother just raised her hand. It never stops. Never stops. We are constantly, Paul tells us that he was struggling with this concept the whole time. But remember, in our struggling, we are struggling in victory, we are struggling from victory and we are struggling to victory. We are never struggling to defeat. We are never struggling with a weight over us. We are struggling in, from, and to victory. Now, that leads us to my three points this morning from uh, Romans, the seventh chapter, and then into Romans, the eighth chapter. And that is very simple. Number one, in our struggle, there is no condemnation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 8.1. In our struggle, there is growth. First John 2. In our struggle, there is growth. We're going to grow to each level. And in our struggle, there is victory. There's always victory. In our struggle, there is no condemnation. There is growth and there is victory. Let's look at the first one. First, in our struggle, there is no condemnation. There is therefore now, now. See, some people say that this was, Paul got this later in his life or he overcame a bunch of stuff and then he, no, no, he just got done. There's no space between 725 and 81. It just goes on. He's saying, right now, right now, in this miserable mess I'm with, my mind and my flesh, right now I can say, thank God that he doesn't condemn me. As a matter of fact, there is only one person in the universe that can condemn us, and his name is Jesus. Only one. But it is that Jesus who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It is that Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father. It is that Jesus who is now far above all principalities and powers. It is that Jesus who is my high priestly intercessor. It is that Jesus who is touched by the feeling of my infirmities. It is that Jesus who was tempted in all points yet without sin. It is that Jesus who promised to never leave us or forsake us. It is that Jesus whose goal it is to perfect that which concerns me. It is that Jesus who became poor so that I might become rich through his poverty. It is that Jesus. And that's why Jude says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and make you stand in his presence blameless with great joy. Hallelujah. In my struggle, there is no condemnation. There is correction. There is punishment. Sometimes the Lord has to get out his paddle. And I'll let you figure out what that is in your life. There is realignment. There is reassessment. There is instruction. But there is no censure, no denunciation, no blame, no cruel condescension. There is only love. And And the thing that I love about his love is, his love says, it's okay, we'll get it the next time. And we'll keep going until you get it the next time. Because I've got all the time in the world. (laughs) You can go around this bramble bush as much as you want. 
You can get the goads and pricks stuck in your knees and feet and legs as much as you want. We'll pull them out and we'll keep going until we get it right. So no condemnation. He's building us. And that leads to the second point is, in our struggle, there's growth. There's growth. John says it. He says, some of you are young. Some of you are middle-aged. Some of you are older. There's, there's growth that's occurring. You might not think there is growth in your spiritual walk, but there is. If you have an open and sincere heart, you are growing. The thing we have to remember is, this is kingdom growth. <clears throat> this is kingdom growth. Kingdom growth is not a microwave oven. I hate to tell you that. Guys, I love microwaves. But kingdom growth is not that way. Jesus defined kingdom growth in two ways, didn't he? He said it's like a mustard seed that grows, and it's like leaven in bread. Those are the two types of kingdom growth that we have. So there are some of you in this room that are just sprouting out of the ground spiritually. That's all right. Be patient. Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep growing. Stay with it. Stay with it. There are others in this room that have branches that are spreading out, and they're nest- people are nesting in your branches. Keep growing, because guess what? You are not there yet. <laughs> if you're a baby in Christ, then according to Hebrews, keep drinking your milk. Just keep drinking the milk. Don't worry about the meat. Just keep drinking the milk. Keep drinking. Just keep reading it. Keep reading it. Keep drinking it. If, if you're a mature in Christ and, you, and you're one of those elders that have known him from the beginning, then guess what? Keep eating the meat. Don't stop eating the meat. Go back and drink some milk every now and then too. But keep eating that meat. Keep going. At whatever level you are, do not stop. Keep moving. When you fall down, get up. When you mess up, fess up. In tribulation, keep growing. In suffering, keep growing. In joy, keep growing. In victory, keep growing. In the valley, keep moving because you know the mountaintop is just ahead. Don't stop. And when you're on the mountain, be smart enough to know that you're not going to live the rest of your life there. There's a valley coming, but when the valley comes... Take his rod, take his staff, they will comfort you in the midst of a warfare that you never thought you'd have. Just stay right there because he'll provide a table in the midst of your enemies and he'll feed you in ways you never thought possible. Don't stop. Nobody in this room has arrived. Especially the guy in the pulpit. Wait a minute. That amen was too loud. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's, that's one of the problems we have in the church, too, especially in these days of celebrities, celebrities. We think the guys in the pulpit have gotten it all. Oh, my Lord. That's a whole other sermon. The, the word inside of you will continue to expand like leaven. The struggle, listen, listen, I'll I'll put it to you this way. We'll put it in in a mathematical or logic format. The struggle you have in your walk, the struggle you have in your walk is inversely proportional to the amount of word in you. The struggle you have in your walk is inversely proportional to the amount of the word that you have in you. If you have a lot of the word in you and you're getting more of it, you're going to have less struggle. If you shut this thing and don't look at it all week long and just sort of pitch it on the table, you're going to struggle. The more words you have, the less struggle. The less words you have, the more struggle. It's inversely proportional. Very simple. Very simple. It's not like putting gas in a car. 
where if you have a half tank, you're still running. If you have a full tank, you're still running. If you have a quarter tank, you're still running. If you have an eighth tank, you're still running. That's not the way this is. When you get down to an eighth tank of this, you're going to start struggling. Your heart and your mind need to be filled with it every day. So get the word in there. But you're growing. You're growing. And finally, in our struggle, there is victory. There is victory. But can I, can I break this down into two small points for you? I believe in our victory, there is incremental victory and there is final victory. We talked about the final victory earlier. There is incremental victory. I, I, I like that word incremental. Uh, let me give you the definition. It is small, uh, positive or negative, but let's keep it positive. Incremental is small, positive changes in quality or function. Incremental. Small, positive changes in quality or function. We are all still growing in quality and function. We're learning, we're stretching, we're understanding. And it's so sad when a believer stops just because they can't handle something in their flesh. They stop just because they can't handle something in the church. They stop just because of sister, sister bucket mouth or brother bloviator, right? Well, they hurt me. Or this happened. They stop. The devil just won. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's incremental victory. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and be Billy Graham. It's incremental. You're not going to wake up in two weeks and suddenly understand every passage of scripture. It's incremental. You have to stay with it. In your life, you know, you've seen this in your life. Those of you who've walked with the Lord for a long time, you've recognized a growth point in your life. You will look back and say, how in the world did I overcome that? How, how did I get through that? Anybody ever done that? You look back, how did I get through that? How did I get over that? It, it was a growth point. It was a faith point. It was a moment in time when the seed of the word germinated inside of you. And now that germination has made you stronger and more mature than you were before. In our struggle, there will always be progress. Every moment we're becoming wiser. Every moment we are understanding the enemy more. We are seeing his attacks more clearly. We're becoming wiser to our flesh. Our eyes are becoming more and more open to our weakness. We're seeing how we fall and we're learning how to get up again and we keep moving forward it's incremental it's line upon line Isaiah precept upon precept here a little there a little and if you read that passage when you go home I don't know it's somewhere in the Bible Isaiah you'll see what he does he repeats it through the prophet line upon line Precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Again, I say, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Listen, dummies, is what he's saying. I'll repeat it for you twice. <laughs> so you understand that the race is not for the strong. The race is not for the proud or the swift. The race is for the faithful. Line upon line. But, and I'll close with this. We have a final victory, don't we? <laughs> you, you know, I, let me define, can I, de, can I define heaven for you? 
I'll give you, I'll give you heaven right here. Everything that the word says about heaven, streets of gold, ivory, this and that, wonderful, great, mansions, wonderful, great. I'm going to define heaven for you in two words. Ready? No flesh. Can you imagine what it would be like to worship God with no flesh? No flesh. None of this stuff to interfere. Oh, my nose is stuffy, so I can't worship Oh, my leg hurts, so I can't do that. Oh, I'd like to help that brother, but my back hurts. Oh, I'd like to tithe, but I can't because the electric bill's high. No flesh gone. Pure spirit. Wow. Listen, listen to the way. <laughs> listen to the way Paul says it. I'm, I'm going to read it to, in a paraphrase, and, and then I'll close. Honest. This is my second closing. We got we got three or four more. You know the verse. Uh, I press toward the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Philippians. Listen to the way I love the way the message puts this. It's it's so wonderful. This is Paul. Now we're talking about a victorious struggle. This is Paul. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. Seriously, Paul? But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, I love this line. If you've got less than total commitment in your mind, God will clear your blurred vision and you'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. The victorious person in the struggle says, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to st- I'm going with bloody knees and bloody fingertips and whatever, I'm going to stay on it. Because I understand that in this struggle, I have no condemnation. I am always growing, not as fast as I want to sometimes, but I'm always growing. And no matter what happens, I am always victorious in Jesus. And I will stand before him someday, and he will say, Well done, thou good and successful servant. What's he say? Everybody say the word. One more time. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because if we are faithful, then he can do whatever he wants. But when we stop, he's done. He looks at the rich young ruler who walks away. And he says, I can't do anything for you. I'm sorry. The little woman with the issue of blood. Oh, I could do something for you. I could do something for you. Leper, I can do something for you. Pharisees, I can't. But Nicodemus, I can. Because they don't stop. They don't stop. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this thought from the Apostle Paul, our, our brother in the Lord. And what an esteemed brother he is. Oh my goodness. Any of us would, would sit at his feet and listen to him expound scripture, I'm sure.
But even he said, it's a struggle and you can't give up on the struggle. And that's what we want to do. We want to stay in the struggle. We want to stay in the fight until we stand before you. We thank you for that. And I pray that for each of us as believers in this place, that we will not give up, but we will keep walking. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Let's stand. And could I say, could I say it this way too? Don't give up on yourself. But could I say, let's stand together. Please, don't give up on Jesus. Right? Don't give up on Jesus. He's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Tell them you're going to stay in the struggle. You're going to keep moving. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.